You like how I waited till the videos were done, till I came up tonight? You know, if there's one thing I've realized this weekend, it's that I'd be a better preacher if I had an amazing accent. This guy and his Boston accent and his hot and, and dealing with people like that and the Gettys over the weekend and they had a guy, Nathan, with them for Compassion International from Australia and man, he could just motivate you. With, so I might break into an accent sometime tonight and I promise that uh, uh, I'm not trying to speak in tongues or anything like that. Uh, that's not what's going on. Um, so tonight is also our first Sunday evening uh, with our new format where we're celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Uh, and it falls on uh, this evening where we uh, have our first Sunday night for Local Evangelism Month. And uh, I'm amazed in the sovereignty of God all the time. But I love how it works out tonight to be talking about the subject matter that we have tonight. Who are we reaching while we celebrate what Christ has done for us. And that's going to be kind of two themes that I hope that we mesh together this evening as we go to his word together. So before I preach, let me pray together with us. Father, your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, we know that your word will do what it is supposed to do. So Father, we pray that as we look at Ephesians 2 tonight, we pray that we would not take your word and try to apply it to other people's lives, but that I would apply it to my life and that all of us here would apply it to our own lives this morning. Father, may we be amazed one more time by your grace and your mercy, and may it compel us, Lord, to live for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I love some of the things that uh, Eric talks about in this video, I, I, and I highlighted it a little bit this morning as well. I think it's important for us to remember who we once were. And, and, and even the verses that he closed with there, Paul talking to the Corinthian church when he said, you know, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. And, and this morning I addressed it a little bit that, that sometimes in a church like ours, I, I think that we can tend to forget where we might be and likely would be were it not for the grace of God breaking in to our lives. And so, you know, if that's you this morning or this evening, I, I pray that you will regularly make it a practice of trying to read testimonies and, and whether it's in bio, biographical form or articles or those kinds of things, of people who were wretched sinners saved by grace. Because it is so important for us to always remember when we're thinking about the gospel that God is in the habit of taking lives that are completely opposed to him and completely changing them. That is what our God does and so then when you're reading those testimonies of those sinners saved by grace, I want you to do what Paul did and said, such were some of you, such were some of I. It is so important for us to remember the lostness of being lost. 
Because we're fond of saying things like, you know, without, there's, without understanding of sin, there's no reason to need a Savior. Like we talk about that in evangelism. But, but sometimes I think that we forget that that means then that we have to be dealing with people who are lost. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for those that are sick. And sometimes in, in, in Christian circles, we find ourselves gravitating toward the healthy people, other Christians. Or in the very least, those who are only slightly sick and they look healthy on the outside. That's where we gravitate. But I want us to remember tonight that, that God is in the business of changing sinners, of redeeming a people for himself. And so to do that, I think it's good for us to remember. And, and I love how he lays out seeing people through God's eyes and what that really means for you and I. That means loving people like Jesus loved them and the, having the compassion that, that he displayed in his life. And you know, it's, it's easy for us to kind of quantify and qualify different sins. And, you know, we talk about a group like ISIS who are horrible and they make a habit of, of killing people. That's what they do. But what they really are are men and women who are completely deceived by the evil one. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And so we have that group of people way over there. But then we also have this other group of people that are, that are truly hurting in their life. But instead, we sometimes look at their sin and, and, and we try to almost beat them over their head with their sin. And I'm thinking of, a, of groups of people that maybe are drug addicts or alcoholics. Or people that, that uh, have repeated failed marriages. People that have, you know, women that have, are single mothers with three or four children from two or three different men. And we, we sometimes will, will look at those people and we don't look at them with the compassion that Jesus looked on them with. And we certainly don't look at them with the compassion that someone who's created in the image of God deserves. And, and so I think it's important for us to remind ourselves who we are reaching. It's not the people who seem to have everything all together. Because quite frankly, most of the people that I know that are like that and don't know Christ, they're not interested. That doesn't mean I shouldn't continue trying to reach my friends that, that have it all together and have a good family and have a solid marriage and, and have a good job. And uh, we should still reach out to them as well but we can't only reach out to those people that look the most like us and that we are more most comfortable with because all of those folks are like sheep without a shepherd and they are hungry and hurting they're empty and unsatisfied and Christ is the only one that will be able to bring them the healing the restoration and the redemption that they need so, so tonight we're going to examine some of these things by looking at Ephesians chapter 2 together. So if you have your Bible, open it please to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. I've got to make my font a little bit bigger this evening because I was 
showing Niles how you could change some things this morning, and I made it small. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our first point this evening is followers of this world. You see, there are people who are following the way of the world. Look with me again at verse 2. Verse 2 tells us, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world. There is a path that this world is on. And they are running down that path like a train to its destination. And the reality is that they don't know there's another track. The reality is is that they know no other way than what they've always known. Because there's an enemy out there who is deceiving them. And they think, well, if I just push a little bit harder, if I just go a little bit faster, if I just put a little more coal in my my locomotive, then I'm going to get to my destination that I want to get to. But all of those ways are feeble and futile. But they don't know that. I, I, I love Proverbs 14, 12, which tells us there is a way that seems right to, to a man, but its end is the way to death. Or maybe if you don't like that one, you'll like Proverbs 16, 25, which says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. God wanted to make sure that, that, that his people understood that, that in our fallen, sinful nature, our minds can be convinced that we're going the right way when, when we are just simply following the course of this world and it leads to death. Not only are they following the course of this world, but they're also following the prince of this world. We continue to see in verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air. You see, Satan has rule and reign. And he has the ability to convince those who are in the darkness to stay in the darkness. And so instead of, of us looking at those men and women who are lost... We, we should be compelled to look at them and, and, and have compassion and love for them because they're being deceived and they don't even know it. 
So we shouldn't look at them with, with judgment. We should look at them with a longing to tell them the truth of the gospel. Because ultimately, all they are doing is following their own passions and desires. Every person is born in sin. We know that. We know that we have this fallen sinful nature which we are born into. But, but in our state of lostness, we will continue to perpetuate that sin forever until God intercedes. And we need to know that. And we need to, to know that when we're looking at people, that that is what's taking place in them. They, most people wouldn't choose to disobey God and to run from God and to run from eternal life and to run from grace and to run from forgiveness. But the reality is, is they don't even know that's an option because they've been deceived. And, and, and our job is, is to not lay judgment and blame on them, but to reach out to them and to share God's grace with them. But when you are following this world, there are consequences to following the world. Verse 1 tells us that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. And we have to remember that. When we are looking around the world, it's like we are on death row and there are dead men walking. They, they are walking around. They may, they may look fully functional. They may be the most rich and the most famous. I love the example of Tom Brady that he uses in the video, but the reality is is that they are dead men walking. This isn't physical death that he's talking about. It's spiritual death. They're not willing or able to honor God in their current state. It's impossible because no works of the flesh can please God. So while they're still in the flesh, they are completely dead and unable to please God. And no matter how hard you or I may try, we can't bring life to something that's dead. But the gospel message is clear that Christ can. But Jesus, through the power of the gospel, can breathe new life into that which was dead. He can make a new creation out of that which was dead. Apart from Christ. Everyone is dead in their trespasses, and we need to remember that. So it's, it's not just the, the dredges of society. It's not just those who are, who, who are deemed untouchable even in our world today. It's everyone that is apart from Christ. And ultimately, they are slaves. One of the consequences of following the world is that they are slaves to their fleshly desires. Not only do people have these passions and desires, but, but they have this continual hunger and thirst for more because they think that pursuing these desires is going to bring them contentment. They think that pursuing all of the things that this world has to offer is going to somehow bring them peace. But they'll never know peace pursuing only these things. All they'll be left with is craving more and wanting more, wanting the next high, wanting the next toy, wanting the next dollar or zero in their bank account at the end of the commas, wanting the next good feeling, wanting the next thing. There's always one more next better thing that they'll be pursuing because they'll never be satisfied by anything that this world has to offer. And perhaps the most sobering consequence of following the world is that verse 3 tells us they are children 
of wrath. If I was D.A. Carson, I'd say wrath. He just says it with his English accent, and it just... Think about that. The wrath of God, which was poured out on Christ, will someday be poured out forever on people who are separated from him, who die apart from Christ. They will forever in eternity be dealing with the judgment and wrath that you deserve, that I deserve, that we all deserve. But if they go into a Christless eternity, they will be facing that wrath. Even right now, apart from Christ, they are children of wrath. But perhaps the two most beautiful words in the Bible, but God. But God intervenes for them because of who he is. You see, the beauty of, of this passage of Scripture is that, that we see that there's all of these horrible things, but in verse 4 we see, but God, and then we have this little glimpse of the character and the nature of God, because God intervenes not for who these people are, but for who he is. So we get some glimpses of the character and the nature of God. And the first glimpse that we see is that he is full of mercy. Mercy is not getting the punishment we deserve. God forgives when we deserve punishment. He makes us alive when we are dead and deserve death and eternal separation. He makes us children of himself. We, are, we, we can become children of God instead of children of wrath. That's the mercy of God. That he bestows those things on us when we just don't deserve it. Not only is he a God of mercy, he is a God of love. You see, God has a reason to judge us because of our sin. He has the right to judge us because of our sin. But because of his great love, he chooses not to. God goes to enormous, enormous lengths and cost. Even the cost of his own son suffering on the cross of Calvary for us. God goes to enormous lengths to show us and demonstrate his love for us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his son as the sacrifice necessary to appease his wrath. And he shows us his grace. And he shows it. In kindness. So we see God's grace and kindness, his unmerited favor, getting things that we don't deserve, being called the children of God, even though I don't deserve that and you don't deserve that. God gives us life. He gives us blessings. He gives us sonship. He, he gives us eternal life. He gives us a calling. He gives us a purpose. He gives us all of these things. And that's his grace because we don't deserve it. And yet sometimes... When we look at the world around us, we don't see them as people who deserve God's mercy, his love, his grace and kindness. And we need to remind ourselves that just like when I was without Christ, they are without Christ, and they are people who need his grace and kindness and love and mercy. We need to remember who we are reaching the cross that we will celebrate tonight in communion is for all who come to god 
The, cro the cross is for all people just like you and just like me. The cross is not just about my life being saved. The cross is about God being glorified through a people redeemed who are able to now serve him. The people around us are dead and they don't realize it. Satan is leading them astray and they don't realize it. They're pursuing the passions of this world and they don't realize it. And we all once lived like this. It doesn't matter whether you were five years old when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Before that, you were a wretched sinner, selfish to the core, and without Christ deserving wrath. The cross is for everyone. And because the gospel is all grace and not works, we must share it with everyone. Everyone. There is not anyone who is outside the reach of the gospel. In the celebration of, of communion is the coming together of the saints who none of us deserve to be able to do that. But in Christ and through his redemptive work, we can celebrate what he has done for us. And I, I love, I love how this passage ends. In verse 10 it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And as I was studying tonight, I want to remind us that there are works of art out there that haven't been reached yet. Some of those people who are walking around, dead men walking, are, work, are God's workmanship that he has not yet claimed. And when we look at them, we should see them as part of God's prize, as part of his bride. Instead of, instead of seeing them in the negative sense, I, I hope that I will be able to look with compassion and love on others. Because all of us need to remember, all of us need to remind ourselves, all of us need to preach this message to us. Jesus showed compassion on us. We're trying to reach people who are exactly like us. Lost, deserving wrath, objects of wrath instead of grace. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So let's, as we reflect before communion, before celebrating the Lord's Supper together, let's reflect on the fact that were it not for God, but God, that all of us would be eternally separated from a righteous and holy God. But praise the Lord that we're not because of his grace, his love, his mercy, and his kindness toward us.